My guest today on the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast is Deborah Battersby. Deborah is the creator of the Freedom Point System of Coaching, a system she developed from a shift of awareness after a quirky car accident a few years ago. She is also the owner of SuccessMatrix.com and an absolutely fascinating guest. Let's go. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. So I am joined today with Deborah Battersby. Deborah, it's so nice to see you again. How are things? As, uh, as I shared with you earlier, things are really good on some fronts and a little bit challenging on others, but um, for the most part, very blessed. Well, I will let you decide whether you want to share those with our um, audience or not. But um, yes, I appreciate you being here uh, in spite of very big challenges that you've been undergoing. Um, I'm here to ask you and talk to you about um, essential coaching skills. This is the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And I, I imagine, I don't actually know, but I imagine that our listeners are coaches or people who want to be coaches. Um, imagine that there's all kinds of levels of people listening who are you know, engaged in coaching in one level or another. Um, and you've been doing this for some time. You have a, a very impressive, I would say, looking website and, and you've, been, you've got some amazing testimonials. John Gray is on your website with a video testimonial. That's darn impressive. So tell us a little bit about what what you do introduce yourself to this uh this audience here okay i i think that the truth is that you know doug you and i might have something in common i i think i'm a personal development junkie you mm-hmm. know going back oh gosh i confess 40 years in terms of always looking for you know how to get myself to the next level you know it's what what's that insight what's that understanding what's that that little distinction that's going to help me be more effective at what I do, uh, what's going to allow me to, you know, tap my own potential. And I, I would say I pursued that for many years with the intention and the application of, you know, my business and, and, you know, and my relationships and how I was just meant to show up in the world. And eventually that passion grew into, coaching, training, and facilitating, uh, not necessarily because I intended that path. It's one of those things that just unfolded as a result of, you know, a a result of doing so many of the things that I did. And I've always found that, you know, when you learn something that works, there's nothing more exhilarating than sharing it with someone who can also use what you've learned. Mm. You know, even in my early career as a a real estate broker, uh, I was asked to teach and train a a lot of, you know, salespeople, you know, to share with them what I did and how I did it. And I didn't think it was all that unusual or spectacular, but I realized that I had a different perspective Mm -hmm. and that share that perspective with people that they could 
find ways to see themselves succeeding at that level. And so somehow or other that emerged into coaching. Um, I think my first coaching client, it was he and I were in a mastermind together. And um, when our mastermind split up after about two years, uh, he asked if I would coach him professionally. So I coached him for a year. And then after that, he asked, would I you know, coach his, his leadership team in his company. So that evolved into, you know, coaching him, coaching his team and, and now serving on the advisory board of his company. So it was, you know, did I plan that? Uh, I can't tell you that I did. (laughs) And so oddly enough, that's how my business has emerged. And I knew about 20 years ago that that I had something happened that um, was pretty freaky. Uh, it was a car accident. I, I had a car accident where the, my car was kind of hit from the side, the passenger side. And although I didn't break any bones, I didn't go to the hospital, anything like that. A couple hours after the accident, like the right side of my body went into spasm, mm. including my brain. And it, it subsided, I think, probably within an hour or two. And the next day, I saw things differently. Right. And it's certainly not unusual to think, you know, once you've had an accident, your whole system is on hyper alert. You're hyper vigilant because you, you've had an impact that is unusual. So your acuity is through the roof, right? Um, but I started noticing that I was driving down the street Um, that I saw things differently and that as I saw things that could interact with me, other vehicles, you know, watching the stoplights, watching people off in the distance, watching things, you know, in my peripheral vision, constantly aware of what was behind me. I realized after about 15 minutes of driving that my usual deductive reasoning, like, oh, that could happen if that guy runs the light or if that guy slams on their brakes or things like that. My usual deductive reasoning wasn't happening. There was no thought between the seeing and the knowing of the impact. No Hmm. thought whatever. And I remember when I got home that day, I was telling my husband about it, and I don't think he really understood it. He just laughed at me and said, honey, that's just defensive driving. And I thought, no, 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 you don't get it. It's more than that. (laughs) So, um, But within a few days of that accident, I found myself at a personal development event where you know, I was, you know, facilitating uh, the experience of a team plus training uh, five people that were going through our leadership program. And I realized within, within the first day that now what I was seeing was emotional patterns. Hmm. You're very- seeing emotional patterns. What does that mean? You're seeing emotional patterns. Okay, I'll give you an example. I was sitting next to uh, one of our trainers and there was a um, there was an announcement that was going to be made. It was some kind of promotion. And I knew that she had an expectation of what was going to happen. And I saw expectation turn into disappointment, hurt, sadness, anger, and resentment in about, I don't know, 10 seconds. 
And it was like, it was as if it was unfolding in front of me that I could see each nuance of that emotional experience, you know, kind of be the catalyst to the next piece. And let me me just stop you though, Deb, because I'm still confused, I'm afraid. Um, just for the record, you and I know each other from a, an NLP background. We, right. we we met at Tony Robbins uh, 30 years ago or something, a long time ago. Um, and Tony, I think, was doing NLP certainly when I was. He still doing already? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he's always you know modified elements of it. You know yeah. what he calls his neuroassociative conditioning. But right, right, totally. Right. So so. To be sensory specific about it, how how specifically were you seeing these emotions? Were you seeing it in the person's face? Uh, it was it was not only the the slight nuances in facial expressions, uh-huh. um, being aware of shifts in in vibration. And I know that sounds crazy, but remember, I've just I'm kind of in an altered state of consciousness, so I'm sensing and seeing things. And the way I can describe it, it's almost like, have you ever seen a stone skip across water? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, okay, it starts here and it lands here and it lands here and it lands here and it lands here. And I, I was like watching that in a, in a new way, because you and I are very aware of emotional patterns and sensitive to how people express those patterns. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it was like, like watching this stone skip across the water and to bounce from one emotion to another so quickly, almost instantaneously. And and I remember after observing those kind of things for a couple of days, I started to ask the question, if I could neutralize the trigger pattern, the trigger emotion, would the pattern itself have to collapse? So in this, uh, in this particular sequence, there was expectation followed by unmet expectation, Mm -hmm. followed by disappointment, hurt, sadness, anger, resentment. Right. I thought if I could neutralize expectation, everything, would everything collapse? And that was the beginning of my exploration. And, and I realized, I I don't really know how many months or how many people I pestered to explore (laughs) this with uh, every single friend I had on the planet was going, well, oh my God. And it was so funny because in the beginning, in the beginning, I referred to this work as unraveling because I thought I was unraveling patterns. Uh-huh. And, and so, but people didn't like the idea of unraveling. That seemed spooky to them. So, but I said, no, no, we just, I just want to find out what, you know, what's, let's look at these feelings and, and see if we can trace the trigger to that and, can we neutralize the trigger? So it was a, an interesting place to start the exploration. And so here I am 20 years later, still exploring this phenomenon, uh, only gaining more and more insight. And what I realized, and I think this is particularly relevant for you, Doug, in your hypnotherapy background, is I realized that the place to communicate with these patterns was the subconscious that the conscious mind will rationalize or create some kind of structure around um, this information. It'll try to make sense of it in some way. And most of what it tries to make sense of is totally inaccurate. You know, it's, it's a flawed perception, (laughs) but subconscious, you know, it doesn't have those. It, the subconscious doesn't have to make sense of it. It just 
expresses it. And so I have been in absolute awe of the subconscious for at least 20 years now. And, and the beauty of working with transformation on a subconscious level, uh, because as we know, the subconscious has no limitations. It's probably the most, I, I like to describe it as the most beautiful playground and laboratory on the planet. Let me just stop you there. Um, you're like one of my favorite guests because you're you're one of those kind of guests I can just say, so how are you? And you <laughs> don't have to say another word for the rest of the you Sorry. Know. <laughs> I do and I, I do get a bit passionate about my work, so you can stop me and interrupt me anytime. I think that's just fascinating, actually. Has that stayed with you since that accident? I mean, are you, are you still having that ability to see I don't emotions? see emotions now. However, I have done so much work in this space that my intuition around it is so, so strong. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I've, I've learned, and I think something that you and I share, is the philosophy that, that you cannot judge the patterns. You know, you can't judge the programs or the patterns that people are expressing, that you know, my, my work has, you know, led me to the conclusion that there is no such thing as a negative emotion. Mm -hmm. That all emotion is intelligent and intentional and that all of it comes to serve. The fact that we judge these emotions as inappropriate, unacceptable, wrong, you know, whatever we label, we put on that. Is the very reason we are unable to work effectively with the what I like to call the emotional communication system, uh -huh. uh, because we have judgments about what's appropriate and what it means to feel certain things that and we make judgments about who we are as a result of it, that it keeps us from accessing the genius in all of it. I think that's very, very well put. And um, I would also just like to say that it's, it's also fascinating to me that um, when you had that accident and you, you know, part of your brain was, was buzzing at a different frequency for a while, um, that it, you became aware of a, of a different way of operating in a different sense, uh, almost like you had a sixth sense. And what's interesting to me about that is that different cultures categorize senses in a different way um as as an example the um um the eskimos eskimos and people who live way up north where there's very few features to to see differences in things they they don't see in the same way that we do they, the space is is talked about in a very different way there are some cultures where there are two senses there's um hearing and sensing and everything else is, you know, categorizing and intuition. There, there's a, a variety of different, there's places that have seven senses, eight senses, depends on the, the culture that we're in and what you're paying attention to, what you deem to be important and what is important for survival in your particular environment and the way you've grown up, et cetera. I, I, I'm told from, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the source of where I read this, that, um, Oh gosh, I wish I remember, but the, that 
we often now have a primarily visual sense. A lot of people, it's a visual, we're looking at each other on a Zoom screen right now. It's a lot of visual things, but life didn't used to be this way. You know, 100, 200 more years ago, it was more of an auditory world. And it's fascinating when people, like uh, I was listening to David Byrne talk about um, this boy he he met who was um, blind since birth. And so his auditory sense was just, like amazing and and everything was music to this kid everything was music to this child he played like eight instruments and when right. he was he lived in new jersey when his father brought him to um, or mother brought him to new york um for for lessons you know he would you know he'd feel the sub sub in vibration by the way some people categorize vibration as a different sense it's a sense of vibration so touch is a different tactile sense than vibration is there's all these different senses so this this boy would be um hearing the the um subway coming but also feeling the vibration so he takes his cane and starts you know basically jamming with the train coming you know he's making music he's experiencing the whole world as music new york is beautiful to him because it's he's surrounded all in and all all of his 360 degrees around him is sound and he's just in this world of sound so i think that it's 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 great that you have were able to take this you know talk about emotions as being negative sometimes, you know, this negative emo experience of a traffic accident that, you know, impacted you in this way, but saying, well, what's the gift here? And you, you started, you know, expounding that and you, your, your natural innate curiosity said, well, what else? Let's, let's find, Hey, you, can I talk to you about unraveling your emotions? How are you? Can I talk to you about unraveling your emotions? You just went with hundreds yeah. of people until your, your yeah. friends were scared to see you coming. Exactly. There, there was a bit of that fear factor after a while because I, I was relentless, but fortunately be, you know, because of the environment that you and I were hanging out in, we had lots of subjects to work with. And so, and particularly people, People who are, you know, committed to personal growth and willing to explore things in a, in a, a slightly different vein. So, and, you know, it's really funny, I guess, uh, the thing I left out about that car accident was, and it, oddly enough, it was back in the days of, I think, my very first car phone, and you may not, you know, it wasn't a cell phone experience, I had a car phone, and I, a phone call came in. And it was a, a call from a spiritual teacher that a friend had connected with, uh, connected me with, and we had been playing phone tag multiple times. I think we'd been trying to connect for about two months. And so when uh, I answered the phone and she identified herself, I said, oh, my God, we've been trying to connect forever. I must be ready now. And in that split second, my car was hit. Huh. And, you know, I don't know how you feel about woo-woo kind of things like that, but I've had experiences like that in my life where there's a, there's a link to, uh, you know, that just the thought I must be ready now, I believe mm -hmm. I've been asking a question for a long time and that I was ready to get the answer to it. Oh, that's beautiful. So you have created this into a coaching practice now if i recall correctly and i think i'm i think i did because i did my homework success matrix is your website sorry success matrix is my business uh you know success matrix international is my company the uh coaching method that i have uh, evolved over the last 20 years is called freedom point 
Freedom uh, Point? Freedom Point. Okay. It is, and I'll kind of give you a little uh, secret as to how that a name emerged. And that is because we're working with the subconscious. The subconscious will never release a pattern until it is until the original intention is preserved. You know, if it came to protect, if it came to motivate, if it came to inspire, if and most of the patterns that we deal with that are blocks to our progress, our protection patterns that were put in place, you know, sometime between the age of, you know, birth and 10 years old. Um, and so, and it's amazing how resistant a pattern can be to shift because in the exploration, you know, of this information, we're always looking for what was the original intention of the pattern? What's all the upside that it has delivered in all of its years of service? And then we get to discuss what's the downside. What is the consequence that was never intended that is starting to compound? Because the downside is almost insignificant until it compounds to the point where the downside becomes greater than the upside. And this is when most of us are frustrated and seeking change. When the downside of any particular pattern or program of behavior has more mm, disadvantages than advantages. But even in those cases, the subconscious will not let go. It will not consider releasing until it is absolutely certain that the intention has been fulfilled. And it's, it's a fascinating conversation with the subconscious. And there are times when and so what I've discovered and used to be the focus was strictly about how do we release the patterns that are blocking our potential. But now it's not just about release. It's about upgrade. It's about partnering. It's about expansion. It's about collaboration. You can integrate resources in the subconscious to amplify their impact. Had a beautiful session with a client um, the other day where uh, and it's kind of funny because he's one, he's been a client for a long time. And one of the three programs that we inter- that we partnered a couple of years ago was called critical thinking, wise choices or wise, wise decisions and sound judgment. And these are patterns that actually are programs that exist within you know, his neurology based on his language and how we describe things. So when we partner these three resources as a team, so they do not work independently, but they work collaboratively at all times, we've grown his business by 25% Mm. by accessing these three patterns and, and combining their impact it's like one plus one plus one doesn't equal three become a multiple of one another a compound effect and so this is something you know that particularly you know, most of my clients are entrepreneurs uh, although my my goal these days is to work with coaches particularly to teach this modality uh, because Because the way it was given to me, I've known from the very beginning that it wasn't mine to keep, that it 
was meant to be shared. And, you know, for whatever reasons, I, you know, haven't been fully committed to sharing it in, in a big way until recently. And so that's the kind of the expansion of my mission. So freedom point. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will admit I've not heard of that. So can you give us an example of how that, I mean, I, you've, you've told us a very eloquent description of how it works, but specifically with a coaching, do people come to you for freedom point coaching? Do they come to you for, I just want to expand my business and can you help me? And then you use freedom point in a way to work with somebody. I mean, yeah. Yeah. freedom point is the reality that I use regardless of, you know, what client I'm working with. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it's not the only modality, but it is the one that is the, the foundation of removing all uh, internal blocks and and creating new neuro strategies, literally creating new internal patterns. And and the the beauty of that is, and remember I said there was a question that I asked, and the question that I ask is what's the difference between conditioned change and real transformation? Because you know, in in the hundreds of you know personal development seminars and classes and courses and books, um, you know, or it certainly was my experience that some people would have transformative experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Saul to Paul, that everything changes. They walk away a new human being and they show up in life completely differently. Other people have temporary motivation, temporary exhilaration, they get more hope, more confidence, more faith in what's possible. And yet, as soon as something triggers one of those old limiting patterns, they can spiral very quickly. And I confess, I had those experiences myself. So I wanted to know how, how do we create transformation? And how do we deliberately create it rather than just creating experiences and hoping that transformation is the result? And, you know, Doug, you probably know better than anybody because in hypnotherapy, you really go deep into subconscious patterning and transformation, you know, transformation is part of the result. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm just curious, though, because, you know, the Saul DePaul example, um, is transformation necessary for everybody who comes into coaching? Maybe they just want to stay Saul and they don't want to be Paul. They want to stay Saul and they want to have more passion. Well, they, you know, sometimes they want to be a better version of of. Saul, you know, it's kind of like, you know, maybe, okay, I came in a warrior, I just want to be a better one. Yeah, Yeah. they can, you you know, and so, like I said, how do you decide whether the person just like needs to be a better version of who they are, or if they need to do they decide, decide. you you don't decide, okay, it's kind of like, uh, well, in, in the beginning, you know, and like I said, freedom point, well, point represents Preparation, observation, information, negotiation, and transformation. And wow. so the preparation is preparing yourself and the client. And the preparation is all about, you know, what's stressing you? What, what do you believe is in the way of your next level? 
you know, sometimes I'll say it's self-doubt, second-guessing myself, or, you know, uh, maybe it's um, the fear of, of playing too big, or maybe it's the, you know, the, the fear of being vulnerable or exposed. Um, there's, so you're always looking for what is it they want and what's preventing them from getting there, or at least what's their perception of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll say it's circumstances. And then, then the key, you know, when someone says, well, you know, uh, you know what, uh, you know, I just went through a divorce. I, I'm really strapped financially. You know, I, I don't have certainty about where I'm heading. Um, and I go, okay, these are situations and circumstances. What I want to know is how do you feel about that? If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel uh, devastated, if you feel confused, if you feel unworthy if you feel disenchanted what do you feel because the transformation i'm looking for is the transformation of the pattern not the person and sometimes that pattern transformation results in a transformation of the person sometimes it's very subtle it's just a transformation of one nuance of their behavioral patterns Um, and sometimes it's a complete identity transformation it just depends And so I never, and, you know, you asked me before, what's important for coaches to know? Number one, stay out of judgment. It's not your job to judge where people are at. It's your job to be open to whatever challenge they bring to you and be respectful of their model of the world. You know, their, their references, their experience, their belief systems, uh, and not impose your own. Because, you know, that to me is the kiss of death that, you know, when you sit in judgment or in some kind of superior position, uh, you are not able to serve your client at the level that you need to or or intend to. Um, And, you know, so and and I guess, you know, fundamental to all coaching is remembering that people are not their programs. They are not their patterns. They are only tools that they have developed to survive. And, you know, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy. The first order of business is survival, no Mm. matter. And then, then we can expand into community and connection and ultimately into self-actualization so you want to find out where where your clients at and how you can help them get to that expanded level of themselves, and uh, you know I know God you know Doug I know we can talk forever I just know it <laughs> no. and, and you know we were talking before about well, I'll, I'll have you back on in a future program just you know make sure we can, we cover all the bases because <laughs> obviously we could talk for a long time and I'm just absolutely fascinated I haven't seen you in a long time and it's just uh, it's, it's such a joy to to see you again and hear all these things that you've been doing and I'm how would I learn to do this freedom point technique if i want is would you call it a technique you don't call it a technique do you? i actually call it uh you know t- to me it's a methodology okay you know and and there is technique involved in everything of course uh, there is a structure to it there is a system to it there is a language pattern to it um that is all part of you know producing extraordinary results mm-hmm. and, and yet the framework has, uh, you know, that 
I think crystallizing the framework has been one of the the core uh, challenges for me is to figure out, okay, what's critical? What's ancillary? What needs to be a part of the process? What's kind of, you know, icing on the cake? Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, how do you teach people the foundational elements of it in such a way that they can produce impact, at, you know, significant impact immediately? And I have, I've, over the years, because I love this work so much, I've, I've done, you know, live workshops, and I've probably only taught about 150 people in the whole world on, on this technique and or this this system you said technique i heard you I, you're right yeah. <laughs> and i was gonna say you planted that seed so i'm gonna <laughs> Sorry. and you know but that's okay it, it uh because there of course there is a technique and a structure to it um and yet most of the people that have learned it uh were people that were my clients not people who really wanted to become coaches okay uh, so there's only been a handful of coaches you know that i that i've ever trained in this modality mm-hmm. um, i would so you guess. trained it to people so they can do it for themselves on an ongoing basis um there is a strategy to to facilitate it for yourself and i will promise you it's like hypnotherapy you can't really hypnotize yourself mm. you know you can go into slight trance and you can set intentions. There are things that you can do personally. And the real super advantage of this is being able to facilitate the transformation experience for someone else. And, and I, I do, you know, even all of us who are into hypnotherapy, we go to someone else to experience hypnotherapy. So, and that's another thing that you asked me about what do coaches need? They need a coach, you Mm. know, they need a coach for whatever area of their life or their business that they want to take to the next level. And, and it is also essential that you, that you really do live what you preach and teach. No, I agree with you. I think that if somebody says uh, that they're a coach, but you know, I, I don't need a coach for myself. I don't believe in having a coach. <laughs> well, then you're not really living your walking. You're not really walking your talk there. I don't think I, mm-hmm. I, I myself have a coach that I talk to uh, once a week. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very good thing. Coaching works. So why wouldn't you do it yourself? It does. And, you know, when you think about it, you know, Children who have a high level of confidence and self-esteem and and just faith in themselves have often come through coaching environments, uh, you know, through sporting activities of some kind with a coach who helps them see their gifts, a coach that helps them see what's great within them and helps them bring it out. And, you know, when you think about uh, sports and you know professional sports or even college sports and you look at the great coaches look at the compensation they get they get that compensation because they produce extraordinary results for human mm-hmm. beings and that's what i hope that all of us are focused on as coaches to help everyone we work with to tap into what is absolutely genius within themselves so 
if I wanted to learn how to do this freedom point methodology, um, what would I have to do to, to learn it? Do you have a book? I, uh, oh, that, thank you for asking. I actually am writing a book at the moment that hey. should be ready uh, in a, it should be ready for release in about two months. Oh, wow. Fantastic. So, uh, and the, but, but I also do have a certification program that I, that I do teach and that is coming up in September. So I, you know, if you have any interest in it, you know, please just. Oh, sounds fascinating. I'm very, you know, what, what does it entail? And how long does it take? Uh, it's, it's going to be a, two days of immersion, which is, you know, at this point at this next course will be online. So it'll be like six hours on a Saturday and six hours on a Sunday, Mm -hmm. and then a weekly uh, 90 minute session for four weeks. Uh, So there's lots of practice, lots of testing. And uh, that one of the things that, you know, that is expected of, of our students to become certified is that they will do a series of at least 10 sessions with prospects and I will review their notes and they will also provide a recording of a session that I will review uh, personally and and give them feedback in terms of, you know, how to just take it to the next level in terms of impact. So it's pretty intensive. There's any prerequisites for somebody who has to take that course? Do they have to be a no. coach or an NLP practitioner or anything? No. And that is what's beautiful about it, because although it employs many um, nuances from several disciplines, that training in them is not required because you will be trained in that aspect of it mm-hmm. you know, as part of the as, as part of the coach training. That sounds great. So um, how do I find out about that? Is it, uh, you know, I say the best way right now is Deb at successmatrix.com. Just send you an email to Deb at successmatrix, one word. And then I will happily send you a a link to everything we have relative to the coaching course and what it entails and everything like that. Nice. Wow. I, I will definitely send you that email and, and find out about it. I'd love to be able to do that. It sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been doing a lot of online teaching of my own uh, NLP and hypnosis courses, and I'll be doing some more sleight of mouth things in the near future. Um, That's great. Yeah, no, it's been, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to have been able to to do what I do, you know, online for this, this past year or so. Um, from the comfort of my own home, this I'm, I'm recording this podcast from my bedroom. You know, most of the training I do out in the living room, but you know, it's all from the house. You know, it's pretty. Anyways, thank God for Zoom. Mm-hmm. And imagine what would happen if COVID had come along like 20 years ago before we had the internet to, as robustly as we have. Today. That would have been devastating. Would have been different. <laughs> would have been very well, different. I, I appreciate that, Doug, and, and I, I hope will you also share, you know, with your listeners and with me, you know, how do we find out more about your programs? Because I think one of the things that you asked me about what's critical for coaches, uh-huh. a growth path. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can never get complacent with what you know. There is always 
additional uh, information available that can either, it can challenge what you already know. And yet most of the time, in my experience, it, it just expands what you know yeah. and just gives you a broader um, base from which to serve. And so I, I believe that, you know, not only do you need to walk your talk and, and be, and be committed to coaching, uh, but it's that the growth path is what got you into coaching to begin with. And it is the path that will continue to grow your coaching practice. Mm, nice. Nice. Well, you know, for me, uh, this is the essential coaching skills podcast. So as luck would have it, my website is called the essential coaching skills.com. Um, I have other websites as well, ericksonian.com, et cetera, but, um, I'm just, the idea of transformation um, intrigues me. And I know a lot of people have uh, done plant medicines. I, I experimented a lot with uh, those many years ago before they were uh, uh, being done so much. And I was probably uh, doing it a little bit more illegally, but I was in college, so it, it was okay. Um, <laughs> but I was doing peyote and various things yeah. in a kind of ritualistic way. Yeah, I got started late. <laughs> you, know? you, you got started late? Yeah, I didn't do any drugs of any kind until recently. Until recently. Oh. But, but I will say that plant medicine intrigues me to no end. Uh, but because like hypnosis and like, you know, freedom point work, it's going deep into the subconscious and mm you and I were talking about the book called stealing fire yeah. that it really is about, you see there, there is a biology and chemistry to flow and that the conscious mind is typically a block to that because it's always trying to control, organize and make sense of things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, and oftentimes it's trying to override what the subconscious knows already so you know in stealing fire they talk about the runner's high you know if if you know anybody who is a committed runner that there is a state of euphoria that they reach that enables them to perform at you know uncanny times and distances mm -hmm. you know if you've ever followed wim hof and, you know, some of the amazing things that he's done, you know, he's the guy, who, you know, runs yep. marathons in ice and snow, barefoot and half naked, you know, <laughs> kind of like, how do you do that? But it is, it is about recognizing that there is a capacity within this organism called the human being that is far greater than the understanding of the conscious mind. Hmm. And that the plant medicine and, you know, you'll find in reading this book that there are some of the greatest innovators and, and business leaders of all time have tapped into plant medicine on a regular basis for visions. <laughs> and, and, you know, it talks about, you know, the Navy SEALs and the extreme duress that they go through. Yes. Higher levels of consciousness where you literally can separate from your body and, and go into a, a state of, of almost untouchability. No matter, no amount of pain can, can reach you. And you know that, 
And scientists are studying this phenomenon more and more and more. And so, and I'll tell you what got me interested in ayahuasca. Uh, I had a client a few years ago who was very much into plant medicine and and a lot of solitary retreats, you know, 10 days of silence, meditation, you know, spiritual practices, and really going deep internally. And after one of our sessions, and, you know, we had this epiphany and this transformational experience, he said, Deb, I tell everybody that you're the human ayahuasca, uh-huh. because you clear, and his word was, you clear shit out of the way that can only be gotten out of the way through plant medicine and I said uh and because I didn't know anything about ayahuasca at the time that was about five years ago or six years ago I thought oh I have to check this out if he says that whatever I do is the you know like the human ayahuasca then I have to understand what the heck does that really mean Mm. so and so I so I have discovered that I love the plant journey plant medicine journeys and the the insights that have come as a result of it. Wow. So, wow. so we, we will ask you more the next time we have you on, because <laughs> maybe that's a good place to stop just because we want to hear about your adventures in uh, plant medicines. Will, will you come back? Can I have you back on the show? Oh my God. I would love it, Doug. It is such a delight to reconnect with you yeah, and it is. to see the amazing things you're doing in the world and the impact that you're having. I would be more than honored and, and greatly flattered to do so. Well, we will, we will look forward to that. So with that, I will leave this there. And thank you once again for being here, Deborah Battersby. So, so, so good to see you. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Many blessings, my friend. Thank you. You're the same. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.